episode 182 of Friends and Film, where you bring the latest new news and review the biggest new release, which this week is Spider-Man Far From Home. As always, I'm your host, Kaput, once again joined by Josh Straley. Hello, everyone. Copyright, can't go any further. Sorry. Well, that was a great intro. Welcome back to the pod. Happy July 3rd. That's right. July 2nd. Depending on what time I get this up to. Oh yes, of course. This welcome to the second of our. No, we're only doing two pods this week. That's correct. Right, got it. It's just a little weird because we did episode 181. Mm-hmm. We released it yesterday at yes. the time of this recording, but normally, so this episode won't come till next week. But it's Spider-Man: Far From Home, right? And we couldn't wait. There is so much to unpack. There really is. There's a lot to get into. We're going to get into all that. Yes. But before we do, um, let's just do some plugs. That sounds great. All right. Well, first of all, you can find us on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter, too, if you'd be so kind, at Friends and Film. Um, you'll get updates on movies that we're watching, looking at. I'll just tweet randomly sometimes, and then there'll be trailers and more. And yeah, like Knives Out. Like Knives Out, which we got to see before all y'all, or most yeah, all most y'all. Most of you. Yeah, for sure, which was great. Shout out to the man well, who remained nameless. Yes. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Would not reveal our sources. But uh, if you're looking for reviews that we have done, like audio, like for the movie that we did last time, yesterday, that we released yesterday ish yes that's ish. correct you Apparently can find those anyway yeah exactly you can find those anyway on apple podcasts google Podcasts, spotify stitcher anywhere that pushes podcasts to your phone but if you can on apple Podcasts, please rate and review us that'll ultimately help rank us and we can find more friends of the show correct and now it's only been a couple of days since we recorded josh mm-hmm. is there anything you've watched no other neon genesis evangelion or whatever no i have not watched a single thing i added it all to my list yes good okay but there's like a series and like two movies the second movie i think is just like a compacting of the series and the film okay together okay and to make it like a little bit more tighter and streamlined hmm. so it kind of unfolds like a narrative so you can probably skip that okay. one okay the series and the first end of evangeline all fit together gotcha extraordinarily well um, but no, I didn't, I didn't watch a single thing. I mean, it's only been two days. Yeah, it's, I know. I'm, a, I'm a failure. How about no, you though? Did uh, you get to something? Anything? I, I, I finished, I think I mentioned this on the pod on the last episode that I was watching the Brennan Fraser mummy movies. Mm, yes. I finished the series. Uh, the last one is a stinker. It's the worst one. It's so bad. Uh, don't know why you'd replace Rachel Wise other than she's probably like, nah, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> good call. Good call for her. Because, uh, you know, that movie is just not very good. And, like, they gave the kid a larger role. And I was like, he was the worst part of the second movie. And then mm-hmm. he's just like, oh, just like the worst person on the planet in that movie. If you Couldn't want, stand up. Yeah, if you want to see Brendan Fraser play dad, go see George of the Jungle 2, okay? Oh, George of the Jungle. Way better. So good. Yep. Classics. Um, but yeah, other than that, I have not watched anything else besides we were going to talk about Spider-Man mm-hmm. Far From Home. So uh, let's just dive in. Let's we're going it. to keep the spoiler-free section pretty brief because yeah. there's a lot to unpack here in spoiler territories, uh, which is not a spoiler for me to mention that, just other than there's a lot of talking points that we don't want to spoil for you if you are not uh, already watched the movie yet. If you haven't, though, go see it because it's excellent. Uh, as I said in my review that's up on friendsandfilm.wordpress.com, uh, it is a spectacular sequel, and I really, really enjoyed this movie. It is bigger and grander than Homecoming. I'm not quite sure yet if I'm ready to call it better than Homecoming or not, um, but the second half of this movie is just 
incredible. Like it is nonstop, uh, packs so much into it and gives you a ton of action, a lot of character. And in some ways it makes the first half of the movie seem like lesser so because you're like, wow, I was so blown away by the second half that like the first half, I'm like, you know, that stuff was good and I liked it, mm-hmm. but it doesn't come close to what came afterwards. And in a lot of ways that's, you know, the building blocks for what had to come. So I understand that, but there's also, you know, this is the 23rd MCU movie, the direct follow-up to Avengers Endgame, the second uh, movie in the Spider-Man uh, series under Marvel Studios and Sony. So there's a lot of catching up it has to do to be like, here's what happened since the last time you saw us. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, I get this. And yes. like, it has to go through all that very quickly, pick up with MJ, pick up with um, you know Nick Fury, pick up with Peter, pick up with all these characters and bring together, introduce Mysterio, the the multiverse, elementals, bring all this. And you're like, whoa, there's a lot going on here. Yeah. Um, but then the second half, I think it really settles into the movie it wants to be. Um, and from throughout it all, it keeps that John Hughes-esque you know, tone. It's very funny. Uh, but the action in this movie is a major step up than what was in homecoming. There's a ton of action and there's one, well, there's a couple sequences in particular that are like mind bending. Like they're so good. And I was like jaw on the floor, almost like thrilled by what, what I was seeing. And we'll get into those in spoilers. Um, but really it also helps that the cast of the movie is incredible. Like, Mm -hmm. Tom Holland, wow, just continues to impress as Peter Parker. If he wasn't already the best live-action Spider-Man we've ever had, I think this cements him in that uh, in that title. Mysterio, Jake Gyllenhaal, my boy, hashtag Gyllenholic. He absolutely delivers. He is so good. He knows exactly what to do at every moment. And I think the only uh, the thing is, I maybe I want, I just want more. I need more Mysterio all the time because mm-hmm. I just need more Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Um, the MJ angle with hit with her and Peter, I thought that was played so well in the high school drama aspect, but also you know what comes after that. It just is handled so wonderfully. Yeah, it it just it, there is there is something so identifiable with between going on between the two of them, and then also whatever his name is. Uh, yeah, it's played by Remy He. Okay, yeah. It is fantastic. Yeah, I was gonna say like his name's Jake in the movie. That's not right. I don't remember what it was. It's not, it doesn't really matter. The only th- the thing that kind of disappointed me um, was Jacob Adelon kind of got put on the back burner as Ned Leeds. He doesn't have as central of a role to play, but that's I think because they're highlighting more of the MJ uh, uh, relationship here with Peter, and then also his new relationship with Mysterio. And there's a lot of other things going on as well. So he is kind of on the back burner, getting a girlfriend and Betty Brant, uh, played by Angori Rice, and it was uh, really funny to see that come together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was also a big fan of Marissa Tomei and John Favreau's back and forth as Aunt May and Happy Hogan. Their their flirtatious uh, relationship that makes Peter incredibly uncomfortable uh, and happy for that matter. And like May is just like reveling in all the awkwardness, and she's just like, "Yeah, no, this is happening," and you guys like just have to deal with it basically it's so good so funny uh yeah action-packed i loved basically every second of it i'm gonna get four and a half ticket stubs out of five and uh let you speak about it for moving this yeah course. yeah i i will have to agree with you basically on a point for point basis you cannot like first of all jake gyllenhaal being in this film let's get this out of the way first mm-hmm. he brings all of the best qualities of an actor like the, the, the small things to the MCU that nobody else other than probably Robert Downey Jr. has ever done. And so you have all of that there and it's beautiful and perfect and hilarious and good. But then getting to the actual movie, just out, out divorce him from the movie because it's just another level. Um, 
it's terrific. Mo- and mostly mainly because it just hones in on this, like Spider-Man Homecoming is very much about, oh, here's a new responsibility, but also here's a high school story. Mm-hmm. This just zeroes in completely on like a high school relationship and very like you said like um it's reminiscent of the john hughes movies they're just about something so small but um it gets exacerbated and you feel all the drama and between him and mj and the nameless third person who is also (laughs) try uh, seeking mj's affections um it's perfect it's the real drama of the movie for the first what is this Two hours, it's fifteen two minute hours movie? and nine minutes yeah. or something. For the first hour of the movie, that's the real drama. And then finally, like when things twist into it, and then you get kind of this, this cast and all of the characters colliding together, mm-hmm. it creates like, you know, just a, a it's a fun ride across the country. You don't have to think too much about it. You just get to feel your way through all of this, especially with JB smooth, um, shouting about witches and hexes, <laughs> even as a man of science, which was one of my favorite reoccurring gags. Um, but yeah, no, there's, it's, it's still very much like the, the typical Marvel movie, um, to get like, you know, flat out there. Mm-hmm. But, all everyone in this is just so bright and fun and friendly that it's it's hard to like you know not be reeled in by it. Jacob Battleone's in the leads, Ingory Rice's Betty Brandt, like, and then the, putting those two together and having a funny relationship. The John Favreau, Marissa Tomei, or the Mr. Aunt May, Happy Hogan, Marissa Tomei looks great, and now all of this is just so good. Um, but there are some very like. I rolly things near the end middle that I'm just kind of like, uh, that's pretty standard and I'm not too much a fan of that, but I'll give it four and a half ticket subs too. Okay. Um, because it, it doesn't, it surprised me and it gave me a whole lot. Um, but at the end of the, the end of the movie, it's just sort of like, okay, well now that you sat through that, here's, here's what you really want to see. I mean, that's true. The post credit scenes on this are, mm-hmm. whoa, like, right. We're again. We're still in spoiler-free territory, but if if you have not seen the movie yet and you're planning on seeing it, do not leave before the credits. I cannot, you know, say this with enough like gusto. Like this, ha- you have to do this. <laughs> if you get up from the theater before the credits are over, you will I'll, regret it. You know what? I'll tell you what. Actually, I'll tell you what. You you stay for the you stay for the um you know the end titles. How about that? The end titles. Stay through those. Watch the first post-credit scene, as they call them. Uh huh. You can skip the last one. Uh, That's the one I have a problem with. Okay, but we can talk about that we in spoiler will. territory. Yeah, which we will move into spoiler territory on Spider-Man: Far From Home. If you have not seen the movie yet, stop the podcast, go see it, and then yeah, come back come for the spoiler conversation. Josh, well, let's leave those post-credit scenes. Okay, to, to wait a little. But what bit, was what was the simmer. other? eye rolly thing or is that the oh, only one we just jump into some like very ham-fisted cg like action mm-hmm. that you're just kind of like okay um but it, it comes right after one of the most intense enjoyable um psychedelic moments of all the mcu blowing dr strange out of the water you're talking about the, the illusion fight i am talking about the illusion oh, fight i'm talking about the, the, the revelation i guess of for the audience, I suppose, mm-hmm. or not for the audience, but for Peter, really, um, that Mysterio is not, in fact, a man from Earth eight one six, something like that. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah, eight two six. He's actually just quitting Beck from Earth. Yeah, 
a former a spurred Tony Stark employee mm-hmm. um, who is out for revenge on not only Tony Stark but his legacy, but and then also looking for fame for himself. Yeah, which is which is done perfectly by Gyllenhaal. Um, even before we realize the man is insane or crazy or a little bit of a lunatic, a um, very crazed actor or, uh-huh. you know, very, he's got a bravado that's yes. very unstable. He, Gyllenhaal just give, brings out these like small little like, I'm just a guy having fun with this role. And there's a moment where Peter names Mysterio yeah. um, accidentally on purpose and Gyllenhaal accepts it. Well, he, well, at first he was like, Mysterio, like, what's that? And yeah. he's like, oh, that's like what people are calling you. He's mm-hmm. like, you can call me Quentin. Mm-hmm. Like, and then like the next time they see each other, <laughs> he calls this, him Quentin. And yes. then he's like, no, Mysterio. He, like winks at him. I was like, yeah. oh, Jake. It's, it's Nailed it. I don't know what he did with his face in that I don't moment, know but it was worth the price of admission. It's, it's unexplainable other than that's what Jake Gyllenhaal does. <laughs> exactly. It was like a, nah, 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 nah. Yeah. But, like, uh, we're, we're together now. We're best buds. Exactly. Look. And it was perfect, and it was everything. But the illusion fight was amazing because all of this goodwill that Beck and Peter were, um, you know, expressing towards each other. Peter was open, opens up to him uh, over too many lemonades at a bar, yeah, and that gets turned around on him and used to basically torment Peter in this this almost um, inescapable prison of his own making, of his own mind. Mm-hmm. Where Iron Man, uh, the, the yeah, zombie, zombie Iron, Iron Man, Man oh rises from gosh. the dead. These um, dark, these dark and dreary high school halls come out to mm-hmm. haunt him. Um, the ghosts of Mary Jane, and these are these like the phantoms of all mm-hmm. these people in his life that need him, and it's putting his own, putting what we know is on the inside of Peter's head on the outside, and trying to make him fight it. And it's incredible. And it's the best part of the movie. I absolutely agree. It is like the highlight of the entire film. The sequence is just incredible from a visual standpoint, from the, um, from the, from a concept standpoint, just, I can, I can't imagine like them talking about, all right, so this is the big illusion fight. Like, what are we going to do? Okay. We got zombie Iron Man. We're going to like act like we're throwing MJ off a building. Mm-hmm. He's going to die for, but he's really just going to dive two feet on the ground. Uh, we're going to shoot, uh, you know, Nick Fury. Then we're going to act like the whole thing is over and Nick Fury has shot Mysterio. Right. But then the illusion is still on. So there's like this unending distrust in everything that's happening. And I like, and I love that element that they brought with Mysterio. And then it punctuates in like the most like shocking wave at all with him just getting hit by a bullet train. I'm like, well, excuse me. And then like Peter has to like, crawl his way on the side of the train bloody fingertips like bloody mm-hmm. face yeah and like sit down and like then he gets arrested and like put in like netherlands and <laughs> which was fantastic um but i just man like everything about that scene worked so incredibly well that like th- like i just want to watch that scene over and over and over again yeah it was it was the best thing i'd ever seen marvel do yeah like just everything from the the changing of mysterious size in certain instances to the, you know, the like Spider-Man's attacked by like a hundred other Spider-Man. And I'm mm-hmm. like, there's just like so many great things going on here. Like he's changing his costume. So he gets back to his onesie, yeah. uh, you know, under Ruse's like <laughs> suit. And like so many like great moments and callbacks and uh, references that I was just like eating up the whole time. And that's something this movie does really well too, though, is like 
it it takes those callbacks. It brings back the barf technologies. Mm-hmm. Which is, it, um, invented by Quentin Beck. Invented by Quentin Beck, unbeknownst <laughs> to us. And then, unbeknownst to him, is named Barf, <laughs> much right. to his like distaste. He's like, I can't believe it. My <laughs> life's work is ex- named Barf. Yes, like he, when he when we finally learn that he's been um, he's not from another dimension, another mm-hmm. earth. Um, the facade comes down inside of this bar, and John Hall just slips seamlessly from sturdy, you know, hardened war hero mm-hmm. to this like crazy like we well, did it. Yeah. We did it. Ooh, we did it. And it's it is so I mean, I don't know about the word like really the words to find it other than it's 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 ludicrous. It really is. And it but not in a way that unsettles you. You think it's over the top. You're like Oh man, there's crazy. There's crazy in this guy's eye, mm-hmm. and then there's a round table of room of pointing out all of these like MCU extras. Well, I, I think only the one from Iron Man is an actual extra, which is the perfect one though. It's so good to have him getting yelled at by uh, Tobias. <laughs> by yeah, by Jeff Bridges Jeff slash Bridges. Obadiah Stane yeah. slash you know which Ironmonger. F- fantastic. Yeah, I was like, I was like, wait, like really? Like they got that same guy? I was like, I was trying to tell like, did they like? you know, digitally, um, you know, change up that footage to place that other actor. I think it's the same guy. Same guy. Yep. And it's just like, it's like, wow, like what a, what a great like way to bring that in. Like, yeah, like this guy just gets berated <laughs> by Obadiah Stane. I was like, Tony Stark could mm-hmm. make this out of scraps in a cage. And like, <laughs> like because of that, he's just like, you know what? Screw you, Obadiah. I, I hate you. I hate Stark. And now I'm gonna like team up with Quentin Beck all these years later, and like, like to get get our revenge. Now he's gone, and I also really love the way they play with that. That Iron Man is gone in this world. Like, yeah, there's murals all over the place, um, but like it's not like too over, like too um, heavy handed. Like Peter's always thinking about it and being reminded of it. Like you know that press conference where he's just like which I love, <laughs> you know, he's in like the iron spider armor and like mm-hmm. he like speaks and he's got his 16 year old squeaky voice. And yes. just like, that just like doesn't work. Um, but I, I love how he is just be, like questioned like, so like, are you the new Iron Man? Are you going to like fill his shoes? And so like, and he's overwhelmed by it all. And like going back to something you said in the spoiler free section, like homecoming is very much about how, you know, he, he wants to be, like viewed as like a legitimate superhero, be treated as an adult, not a kid. Yeah. And now this is the complete opposite. Everybody wants him to be the adult that everybody thinks he is. And he's like, I just want to be a kid on a school trip and be Mm -hmm. with the girl that I like. Right. That's it. Yep. Like, I don't want to be a superhero. I don't want to be on these espionage missions with Nick Fury. Like, I just want to be with my friends and enjoy my summer mm-hmm. and not have to worry about saving the world. Yep. And like he even mentions like that. He has that one line to mysterious. It's like, it's going to sound selfish, but I just kind of want to take a summer off from saving the world. And uh, I, I really, really, really love uh, Peter's whole arc to then ultimately being like, I ha- I'm the one who has to do this. I have to figure it out. Um, there's a great like heart to heart with happy Hogan that uh, was just super touching. And Tom Holland and John Favreau really acted their butts off in that scene. And then it, culminates with like the iron man callback with acdc or as he mm-hmm. pleases to be led zeppelin uh which is just <laughs> so funny uh of <sighs> him making his own suit mm-hmm. basically becoming the mcu's like new young hotshot tony stark yeah and um yeah, the acdc thing like it actually took me a minute because i was like wait that's not, and then, then they're like, "Oh, that was the joke." Okay, yeah. I gotcha. Be, because just because 
he doesn't get any references that aren't Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, basically. And so, which is a great little bit too. Um, but like, yeah. And that's where, that's why I enjoyed this. I think more than I did Spider-Man Homecoming. I believe I gave it four out of five ticket or four out of five ticket stubs back when we reviewed it the first time around. Okay. Um, but here you just have something that's much more of Peter Parker um, him instead of fully embracing and dying to embrace, you know, a bigger responsibility. Um, here we have him fighting against it, mm-hmm. and I think that's much more of the character this time around. And now that we finally got into that, I'm just so excited to see where everything goes um, from here on out mm-hmm. for sure. So, yeah. Okay. Well, let's. I want. I also want to talk about Mysterio again, real quick, mm-hmm. um, because I think that's. The reveal that comes midway through the movie, which kind of kicks off the incredible second half of the film, uh, when he is revealed to actually be a madman, be the villain, be an illusionist with you know the help of technology. Yes, and I, it, it's one of those reveals where it's like I like knew that was coming because mm-hmm. like Mysterio is a bad guy in the comics, yes. and like his whole thing is like being a liar and telling people, "No, I'm a good guy. I'm here to save you. I'm here to help Spider-Man." And then ultimately turning on him and being a villain. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, I was kind of waiting for this moment. And in that way, the way it kind of came, I was slightly underwhelmed. Like I liked like Jake, but really playing it up after the fact, after Peter left Mm -hmm. the bar. Um, But I just, I I felt like, oh, okay. Like I knew this was coming. So it didn't have that same like wow factor on me, obviously. But it's that tough thing where it's, I, 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 I feel weird like critiquing the movie for that because it's based off the source material. But then there's also, I don't know, 90% of the movie going audience who's never read a Mysterio comic story before. Right. Has no idea that he's a villain. And there's like, Oh, who's this new Iron Man Thor, Dr. Strange character mm-hmm. uh, in the MCU. This is cool. And so like my sister who went to the show with me last night, she has no idea about any of that stuff. And when Mysterio like reveals like this is all an illusion that he is like the mastermind behind this whole operation, she is shocked and floored, and she's like, "Whoa, what? No, that, that can't be! Did you know this was going to happen?" I was like, "I mean, yeah, kind of." And so it's, it's like it's it's always one of those like incredibly tough things where it's like the more you know about the source material, sometimes it can like sometimes hurt your ex- like experience. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, uh, even though I can still like enjoy the moment, it's not just like having that like. Oh my gosh! Sure. Factor. Yeah, for, for me, the execution was what I think crushed it. Like, yeah, we did have go in with a sort of a, oh, we know this is gonna happen. Like you and me mm-hmm. discussing this movie beforehand, yeah. trailer. Otherwise, is we're just being like, oh boy, this this Mysterio fight's gonna be great. I can't mm-hmm. wait to see how it happens. And then when we see the trailers, we're like, oh, he's clearly lying, Peter. Yeah. Like, how could you be so gullible? <laughs> you idiot. Theory? What's going on here? Yeah, all of these things. I think we may be entertained that he's from a different dimension. And then we go, maybe it's a different Mysterio. Yeah. Ooh, and he becomes evil at the end. Who knows? What's, well, I'm not sure what's going on there. But uh, I just think the execution of it all and the, the surprise is really um, in Hall's performance, but mm-hmm. also in who this iteration of Beck is, yeah. which is the scorned Tony Stark employee who, you know, has been in the shadow and now, you know, in once the fame for himself. Mm-hmm. And it's really just about how these two characters try to get out of the shadow of Iron Man, yeah. which is, you know, a really good metaphor for the entire MCU right. series going forward. <laughs> yeah. How do you get out of the, the shadow of Robert Downey Jr. And the, the gravitas that he brought to that role. Yeah. Um, and they seem to settle on the answer that the, Spider-Man 
like there's a very passing of the very 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 heavy-handed passing of the torch yes the the glasses edith which becomes yeah. the MacGuffin for the movie oh. of the the entire um drones like basically control of the satellite that can execute drone strikes yeah one of like, which peter parker almost you know uh <laughs> sends upon his uh romantic rival in the yeah movie. whose name is brad davis there we go so uh yeah that that whole sequence uh when he's about to kill brad mm-hmm. <laughs> like just so good yeah it was amazing it was, it was just like, like come on oh no here we go and then like he punches like he punches flash to like knock him out and tony of lori I wish he had more screen time because, like, he's just like doing all these great one-liners. He's the funniest, and like, I'm hoping because like, they're they're they really kind of dove into the whole he's a Spidey super fan now. I'm hoping that like becomes a bigger thing like in the third movie, and like we can like build on that like yeah. more so, or at least you know get Tom Hardy's Venom killed off really really <laughs> soon, and then scooch the Venom symbiote <laughs> across the uh, the weird across thing the is, continent. As much as I love Tony of Lori, I I can't I just can't picture it as like Agent Venom or something. It's uh, a, that's just like such a turn. Yeah, he he's what is he? he's like seventeen, eighteen. He's young. Nah, he's in his twenties. Is he really? Okay, well. I mean, you know, you shave the you shave the stubble off there. You can CGI on some gruffer stuff, and then we can go from that, right? <laughs> or just see, recast him as Dave Patel, hair. but then it wouldn't be the same guy. So. Yeah, that'd be yeah, that'd be disappointing for sure. Like, yeah, he, he he went away to war, and he comes back a totally grew, different. Grew a, grew a foot, and like even I did love the you know. In, speaking of the Brad kind of part of this, like when they're like doing like the explanation video at the start of mm-hmm. like, here's what happened like last time in the MCU. And like, they're like, you know, via some- vis-a-vis this poorly edited, like oh. high school uh, newscast yes. where you can see the boom mic dipping yes. into the frame. And it was I, just so funny. I love, 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 love that, you know, uh, midtown high production crew like yes. that is it's so great uh you I, know like like Angori rice is taking it so seriously mm-hmm. but then like her co-host is just like you know like whatever man <laughs> right yeah um he's he who's yeah, he's, he's played by jorge he was in bumblebee uh jorge uh ledenborg okay uh, yeah. and yeah he is he's so good and i like there's no other there's no other like there's not like a larger role for them. Like mm-hmm. you can't expand upon these characters really in any substantial way. But like, I love just like the, the bits and pieces. I think in like the far in the homecoming, like Blu-ray extras and stuff, there's like several more minutes of them just like telling these Perfect. like, and it's just like terrible. Like I even love that they use like the detail of like the green screen around them is not finished. <laughs> like it's yes. like, you can tell this is a high school production. Cause like even like their green screen quality mm-hmm. isn't great. And it's just right. like, it's, it's top notch. There's, stuff. there's uh there's watermarks across like all of their mm-hmm. images. Yeah, playing Whitney Houston. Like, Oh man, it's uh, just, <sighs> it is, it was really, really good. Yep. Um, there's also some very hilarious, um, we didn't talk about this before, but before we get to like the, the end credits or uh-huh. whatever else you've got, uh, there's also some very hilarious catch up being played about what they're now calling the blip. Yes. Um, which is, is the snap or the decimation or well, whatever this it's, it's the the decimation is the first snap and then the blip is the the fourth snap in the mcu because there's because there's thanos's first snap there's a snap he does to eliminate the stones and there's a snap to bring well no so it'd be the third snap the snap brings everybody back by hulk yes and then tony's snap that eliminates thanos's army right so the third snap is responsible for the blip Really? Is that I th- what it was? I, I think. From what I understood, it was it was actually the blip is like they they were gone, then they were back. 
Okay, maybe. And that's and that's kind of what I took it as. Um, but there's just some hilarious scenes of people like you know being like sucked away and then being reconstituted like right in the middle of a basketball yeah. game where it's like the Stanford bands on the field, mm-hmm. the basketball flies and hits like a two player in the head. He goes down, and then there's just some great jokes about like. How how freaking weird is it that like you know Brad was a dweeb five years ago right. and now we're back and he's like all hot and stuff yeah or like and like Jorge's like my younger brother's my older brother now <laughs> like yes. this is weird <laughs> it's just like yeah that's that's true and I think even May mentions in like her like displaced shelter mm-hmm. speech she was like you know the people who were like took over my apartment were really confused when <laughs> nice. i appeared randomly the the wife thought i was a mistress and i was like oh well, you know i guess there's mm-hmm. that's an understandable confusion like they're they're very much playing up marissa tomei's oh, they, uh, beauty in this film they are relentless with and it. it is uh it's it, it's great it works. it works uh for sure and <laughs> i uh, i think uh, i'm trying to think like what else we need to get into we like really dive into the end um mj figuring out peter is spider-man Yes. I really like this. I like this dynamic way better because she gets to parent somebody. It's like it's Spider, Spider-Man is basically puberty for him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so she just gets to parent him through it. Aside from being like, well, you're so angsty, Spider-Man. You know, like that kind of whole thing, which was going on with the old Aunt Mays. So, or no, I'm, t- I'm talking about MJ. I do like Aunt May also oh, knowing. Sorry. No, yes. it's fine. I do. I do. Because I, I actually wondered if they were going to touch on that more, but mm-hmm. also it's like, Timeline wise, it's been two and a half years. Uh, yeah, it's it's really tough to place. Like, it's been at least a year since she figured it out. Yes, and so it's like vis-a-vis her and Peter Parker's relationship. Yeah, so it's like we we know that like May is known about Peter being Spider-Man for at least a year. So it's like any rough patches in that like relationship has gone and passed already. Mm-hmm. So it's like. There's no reason to like bring all that stuff back up. It's like, okay, now that we're back from the blip, <laughs> let's let's rehash all this again. Right. It's like that's unneeded. Um, but the MJ thing, I really just like. A, I thought Zendaya was a lot like a lot more comfortable in the role this time around. It just felt that way. Like she was like, no, like I am MJ. I am Michelle. Like I am. I am this character, regardless of what anybody's gonna say. Like, yeah. I, and she really just owned the whole awkward slash very dark humor aspect of her and i love this different take on mj where she's you know zendaya is gorgeous but like they're playing her up more of like this socially awkward teenager not this you know in like the comics she's this bombshell where it's just like yeah she's way out of peter parker's league yeah this very um i don't know i don't know what the word would be like she's almost like a seductress Uh i don't know if that's the right word i mean it it works for your point there's this there's there's an there's an intense like sexuality that mj's got Mm -hmm. this this is just much more subdued this is much more of like reality yeah it's much more (laughs) like what our actual like high school relationship is like yes and that's what they they get at so well in this and but also it lets them be friends or let little sort of relationship kind of like unfold without like the oh will they won't they about mm-hmm. his identity type of a thing we've seen that yep. twice now yep. and it's good I'm, I'm glad to have it here well, it's like how long did did mj find out the end of spider-man 2 in raimi's trilogy that, yes okay yep and then gwen figured out or found out about it midway through the first Amazing Spider-Man. So right. they took, you know, a movie and a half to get to MJ figuring out. And I, I but I also just really like even how they, they explore, like they did that scene where she's like, you're Spider-Man. Like it's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, wait, is that the only reason you're watching me? And she was like, uh, like they go back, they revert back to that awkwardness of like, 
uh, I mean, uh, yes. It's definitely not because I have a massive crush on you. <laughs> exactly. And like yeah. then Peter's kind of crushing. He's like, well, oh, by the way, we just discovered that Mysterio is a liar. And mm-hmm. we have to now, like, I am Spider-Man. And she's like, okay, cool. Because I was only 67% <laughs> sure that I, like that was the case. Yeah. And But I, I just like that the, like this is the dynamic now. That there's no secrets. Uh, and we'll get to that. That's mm-hmm. definitely true by the end of the movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, there, there's no secrets anymore. And so like it makes sense to have that reveal come midway through. And now that that can be like the back that 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 is the backbone of the relationship in a lot of ways is is great and before we get to the other reveals that come uh just the ending to kind of wrap this uh you know the main plot of the movie up mysterio and spider-man fight uh the elementals are fake i was a little underwhelmed by the elementals honestly yeah but i thought that was the point i guess oh scary like i was like a fan of them but but... sandman's gone after like um like two seconds Mm -hmm. hydro man's vanquished in like 30 and then Molten Man's around for, like, the most. And he gets, like, five minutes of screen time. Yep. And then there's the culmination monster at the end, which is, you know, fine. Um, but uh, Mysterio, you know, tries to be the big hero. Spider-Man thwarts him. And uh, it all ends with Mysterio dying, it appears. I was very I, – I did not understand what was going on in that moment. Because a bullet gets shot. Yes. But then – all of a sudden Mysterio's dead. Like there's yeah, no, point. there's no movement. Like he, Peter realizes that Mysterio getting caught with a bullet mm-hmm. during their fight um, is a fake. Spidey senses tingle. Peter or his Peter tingles, <laughs> you know, whatever <laughs> that I, wow. Which I wish I could take that back. Um, the Peter tingles. Yeah. But that's not how I said it. And then, he's left with the gun, but there's no shot pulled. Right. There, there is a shot that rings that out, fires, bef- and like that he like blocks or moves, mm-hmm. and so like I don't think there's like a a redirect where like the bullet like Ricochets. bounces off the window and hits Mysterio. I and I'm trying to remember again. We only seen this once, and it was you know, uh, you know, 16 hours ago, and you know at midnight. So uh, I I think what happens in that sequence is like you know because Mysterio d- makes it all an illusion again on that bridge, and then Spider Man like defeats all the drones and knocks Mysterio back. But I think Spidey's also knocked back by the explosion. And so I would, I, my guess is that during like him recovering and getting back up to then go like confront Mysterio, Mysterio like puts on another illusion that he is down there. And then he's like actually hiding next to him. So he was already injured from the blast. Like the gunshot had nothing to do with it. I think. Yeah. But that would make sense. I was, I'm still not even convinced that he's gone. I'm not either. They definitely played up like he is, but I was, uh, and we'll get to the post-credit scenes in a second, but I was in that moment, a hundred percent convinced that the final end credit scene would be like them wheeling off Mysterio's body or something. And then like, like doing like the autopsy or something and being like, wait, this isn't Mysterio. And like, They'd pull off a mask, and it was actually Chameleon, uh, played by Numu uh, Numano Car, uh, who just goes by Dimitri. That's right. Um, and so I was just waiting on that, and but then I was thinking, like after the fact, I was like that would have been like too confusing, I think, to general audiences because you mm-hmm. don't play with that at all ahead of time. So like, you can't just be like, "Yo, that's <laughs> that wasn't even him." You're like, "Wait, was it ever him?" Yeah, I don't get it. Um, so I understand probably why they would not go in that direction, but you know, we don't see him buried or anything, so. Uh, I and like it's Jake Gyllenhaal like 
you find a way to bring him back. I don't care what you have to do at this point. Like he's the, he's probably hopefully fingers crossed the new Loki in a sense. Maybe not full hero redemptive arc as much as I'd like that. You know, for more Jake, but, but just this 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 uh, mischievous lunatic who's yes. popping up in film after film. After like film. I would I would love that to happen. Um, but let's move in to the end mm-hmm. the end credits here yes uh we get the first date of peter parker and mary jane yes he he picks her up after a hilarious confrontation between uh you know peter and you know confronting uh it may and happy about mm-hmm. what what their relationship is and there's a very uh great uh difference in what they thought it was you know he's yes. like oh it's just a summer fling and he's like oh this is like we're dating and they're like mm-hmm. uh wait what uh he's like i'm gonna leave no, you've got something to figure <laughs> yeah. out and uh so they're swinging around new york and stop and it's a great they had a great time you know and uh then breaking news pops up on the billboard uh new footage has surfaced or wait no the other one comes first right yes pops up uh, the Daily Bugle.net has exclusive mm. footage. Mm. And you're like, oh, the Daily Bugle's in town. Cool. That's a thing. Yes. Established Daily Bugle, big landmark. Nope, not even the biggest thing. Because then J.K. Simmons <laughs> pops back up. He's back. He's back, and he's not only doing J. Jonah Jameson, he is doing Alex Jones as J. Mm-hmm. Jonah Jameson. Um, pounding his fists, yelling, which is Jameson, <laughs> but it's Jones. And it's beautiful. It's so it good. Is beautiful for him to return and give us a Spider-Man rant. It, it is. It, it is absolutely perfect. But that's not all he's got. No, but I mean, like, just the like, we have to sit on that for a second. J.K. Simmons is back as J. Jonah Jameson. That is Cooper, wild. Dare I say he never left? J. Jonah Jameson was never recast. A true. He, so the, like, his it's his return to the always, screen. That's true, that's he's true. always been with us. That's something I recognized uh, on my drive over here this morning, so evening. Um, but yes, yeah, I, I it, he he looks. J.K. looks a little worse for wear. That I was mean, something I, I saw. Mean, I'm like, yeah, oh, he's, he's, he's old now. Yeah, I mean, it's been twi- <laughs> yeah. uh what, twelve, thirteen years, seventeen years, I think. Since, since the debut Spider-Man 2002 oh, I was going since his last appearance oh, which yeah. is what 2006 sounds right so yeah it's been 13 years since he's played the character mm-hmm. different versions obviously now um, but just I mean it's one of those things where everybody's like oh it should happen it needs to happen because it's like he's perfect cast how can you not do it but it's just like at the same time now nah, it's unrealistic it's you know that's a different version of the character you don't want to like they've been very clear of we want to avoid as many comparisons to the priest movies as possible yes and so that was just like directly lifting <laughs> j jonah jameson uh with jk simmons is like okay well i guess that's gone and i'm all here for it. i hope that like this is not a one-time thing like i can't imagine it is mm-hmm. like just I'll, i need all of it i need i need a uh, like a daily, you know, minute long plug of just like J of like, just like JK Simmons in his like house do like, yeah. s- like spouting about nonsense about Spider-Man. I need that. I need that in my life. Broadcasting live from the basement. Exactly. Like it, it needs to happen. It's it. And, uh, but yeah, so the daily bugles there, uh, J. John Jameson's there to reveal exclusive footage that he's obtained from the fight in London between Spider-Man and Mysterio. And in classic J. Jonah Jameson fashion mm-hmm. and Mysterio fashion, uh, it is framed in a way to make Spider-Man look like the villain, the one who's actually attacked New York or to, who actually attacked London. Yes. And Mysterio tried to stop him and that Spider-Man killed him <laughs> and tried to kill other civilians as well in the process. And that is in that moment, I'm just like, whoa, 
like we have the Daily Bugle, we have mm-hmm. J. Jordan Jameson, yes. and now we have like evidence, semi evidence, right. that Spider Man is a villain. Like he is legit, like he's legitimate. Like he's not like a crazy lunatic. Like there's tape that he has that makes Spider Man look like somebody who's ordering kill shots mm-hmm. on civilians. It's yeah. like, wow, Spider Man 3 is going to be wild. And then it gets even wilder. And then it gets even wilder because that's not all J. Jonah, J. Jonah Jameson has. No, he has uh, an extended vi- uh, version of the clip with Mysterio revealing uh, Spider-Man's true identity is Peter Parker. And him and MJ are shocked mm-hmm. in the streets. And that's 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 the last we see of Peter in this movie. Right. Just getting ready to shout WTF. I mean, I imagine <laughs> how, how could you not? And I, I mean, I, that's an issue. His hands against his head, and he is just he is just freaking out on top of a light pole. Yeah, I mean, it's initially parallel to the end of Spider Homecoming, mm-hmm. where Aunt May finds his true right. identity. She freaks out, and now the whole the whole world knows his true identity. As far as the Daily Bugle exactly. and Mysterio want you to believe, for sure. Uh, but still, even even though they may not have the best track record. Mm-hmm. You know, possibly in the MCU, um, it's still like that's such a, a very that's a, that is an incredibly strange claim to make. If you were Mysterio, <laughs> if that wasn't the case, right? Like you don't just be like, yeah, some random New York teenager is the guy behind the mask, and unless see, there was a reason. And see, that's the thing though. That's the beauty of this is I don't know what they're gonna do with it. They, I have no they, idea. Could, they could either, I mean, because it's because of who he's playing, because of this iteration of J. Jonah Jameson, misinformation and lies and the truth. Like, the truth is actually what is true and what is not true is actually like a part of this movie. It's a it's a, it's a big part of the it's movie. A theme, that's you know, one of the, like, the first things Mister. That's one of the first things Mysterio says is like you know don't believe everything you you see or read or something. Yeah, exactly. And like, oh yeah, everything on the internet is true. Jokes and yeah. Daya, jokes uh-huh. Tony Revolori at one point, I think too. And so now we're at this point where the the persona of InfoWars is on screen mm-hmm. there. And, you know, he's telling you this is true, this is right. And then it's going to be treated probably as, oh, that guy's lying. Or, it's gonna, or it could, you know, shift the movies and make Peter Parker a wanted man in New York City right. with everyone else elsewhere you know because mm-hmm. clearly they couldn't show up to fight mysterio here or no. the elementals so the dynamics going forward could be cray cray that is definitely true i am incredibly curious if of what marvel and sony are planning because we know that a third film's in the works mm-hmm. it's coming probably july 2021 um we just have to, you know, get the X's and, you know, the the, the, the dotted lines every, and, like, all that stuff. But uh, it's just I, – I don't, I don't know where you go from here. Like, I mean, there's so many possibilities, but it's like, do you go that route where it's like he's a wanted man and Peter, like, has to drop out of school because, like, people are after him? Or does it just, like, you know, do people, like, black like blacklist the day they go, like, the list is, like – an incredibly like this is just a lie like this cannot be true like why mm-hmm. like peter parker of all people like that like no that's just so dumb like it's like that doesn't make any sense yeah and then they go that route and then you know other people are like well no it's definitely him we can prove it we're gonna go after him and it's like the build like continuous build to sinister six um exactly. type stuff yeah like i could see that happening for yeah. sure it, it's gonna unleash a torrent of villains that they've mm-hmm. you know been positing into these movies as we keep going and going and so They'll be like, well, who was that kid, Spider-Kid? Well, even if it's not Peter Parker, let's go kill him anyway. Yeah. And on, on the off chance that it is, you know, <laughs> right. no more Spider-Man. Exactly. So like, they're, I they're could, only playing the odds. I could really see, 
you know, like it just seems like this setup, like, you know, there's, you, know, you can do Norman Osborn, you can do whatever you want to do next, but like having like Craven the hunter, like come in for the third film be like, Oh, I'm going to hunt like this incredible prize. Mm-hmm. Like this man has a giant target on his back. He like, and if he is who he, who everybody says he is, then I'm going to be like the most famous person in the world. If I can kill Spider-Man, a person who apparently based on this footage, tried to kill a lot of other people. Yeah. Like then I'm a hero and you can go back on all these like mysterious things that we just dealt with of like what it means to be a hero, what it means to try to be a hero. And I, I just really feel like Craven is such a good way to go forward in terms of a third film um, from a villain standpoint. And so, cause I don't want sinister six in a third film. Like, yeah. Wait. There's no. We haven't even seen Scorpion. We haven't even seen. Um. We haven't even seen like a Green Goblin type character nope. yet. I mean, not that he has to be. Well, a that's part like of it. that's like the or thir- even the, a Doc the, the, the third film, and you know, this mid credit scene is just you know, again, it's filled. It has the introduction of the Daily Bugle, and introduction of J. Jonah Jameson, it has the introduction of you know, it has the reveal that you know of Peter's identity, it makes mm-hmm. him makes Spider Man a villain. Like it has all of these like incredible things in it. I was the only thing I was, I was waiting for. I was like, this is just like. The, the three minutes of setup for the next 10 years of Spider-Man stories, basically. I was waiting for the Oscorp logo to, like, flash up on the screen or mm-hmm. be on the top of the old Avengers Tower or something. Yeah. And it would have just been like, well, here we are. Like, we are we are running. We are, we are not, like, walking slowly or jogging. We are sprinting <laughs> towards some epic, you know, storyline that Marvel and Sony have envisioned for this character. And uh, I, I really just cannot wait to see where they go from here because I think it would be great if, like, the third film is like Norman's introduced. Like he's the one who's, you know, acquired Avengers tower. And then from that point on, like, he's like, you know what? Let's talk, let's look into this. Like, mm-hmm. you know, because he probably, because he probably wants to be the, the new Tony Stark in a way he wants to, you know, have the, the dark Avengers or whatever. Uh, and so he's like, you know what? Let's hire this like famed killer from Russia and let's see what Craven can do. And, I think that'd make for a fascinating storyline. We get two iconic Spider-Man villains in one movie and uh, set us up for, you know, a new trilogy probably. Yeah, yeah I think so. I mean, Craven's, Craven's definitely coming around. And mm-hmm. if that Sinister Sticks is that, no better than, you know, to jump out with Peter Parker's senior year, junior year, whatever they're yeah, coming it's, around. It's, it, it, the, the timeline of, you know, his school years is very fuzzy. Well, <laughs> that'll be another thing for them to explore. It's just like, I, I think... Like, but that's for for sure. Peter Parker's story is going to dominate the MCU going forward. So you think like he is definitely taking on like he is the new Tony Stark. Like he is going to be like the new face. He is the new face of the MCU. Yeah, it's it's hard to say otherwise. Really, I mean, like even just like going back to Endgame, like opening night mm-hmm. when you know there's applause when you know Black Panther arrives or Falcon arrives or whoever. But then when Tom Holland Spider-Man swings on screen and unmasks, boom, crowd erupts. Like Joyous he is, gasps. He's a favorite love. of, yeah. you know, people in their, you know, mid to late 20s or, you know, 30s. He's a fan favorite of teenage girls, mm-hmm. <laughs> a new market that for Marvel to tap into. Like, and then, you know, diehard longtime Spider-Man fans, like many of them view him as like, no, he's like the, he's the real deal. He's the, like, pr- like the perfect version of Spider-Man. So like, yep. he's really captured like almost all audiences of being like no I, I love this guy i love this version of the character so like if you're marvel like how can you not continue to back him the only thing is like that sony deal 
expires after the third film. Mm -hmm. So it's like Marvel's going to have to put up a lot, I think, to keep him around. I think Sony knows that like having him in the MCU was part of their success, a big part of it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they just made $800 million with Venom last year and they're, they want to have him and Tom Holland, Spider-Man cross over. And so unless you retrofit Venom into the MCU, uh, and that you make that a contingency of the, whatever new MCU contract you do, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what happens. I would absolutely hate to see Spider-Man leave the MCU at this point, because again, I think he is, he's, he is most uh, in line to be like the new face more so than Captain Marvel, more so than Black Panther, more so um, than the guardians or Thor or whoever, like, Spider-Man's the favorite. Like, it's clear as day. Right. So uh, we'll have to wait and see, obviously, what happens for the third film. Um, but I don't think what we're going to talk about next pertains to the third Spider-Man movie. I think this pertains I, to more of... It kind of does and kind of doesn't. The larger MCU. Yes. Um, which is the post credit scene where it is revealed that the scrolls are involved in the story. What? <laughs> right. Um, because Talos played by Ben Mendelsohn from Captain Marvel mm-hmm. earlier this year has actually been disguised as Nick Fury, the whole movie. And <laughs> right. that one of his other scroll friends has been Maria Hill this whole time. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wait, what in that moment? You're just like a uh, secret invasions happening. What Nick Fury, has he been a scroll the whole time? Is he just now a scroll? What is happening? Yeah. This is so confusing. And then you learn that, Oh, Nick Fury's up in space and the scrolls are reporting to him. Mm-hmm. And now he's building a space station with other scrolls. And, they're probably founding sword, like the intergalactic shield, basically. Okay. And this is like, it seems to me like the future, mm-hmm. like yep. we are going in, in one, in the mid credit scene we set up here is, you know, the very grounded, you know, earth based storyline. It's Spider-Man heavy. Yep. And then end credit scene. And here's the next 10 years of MCU boom, cosmic scrolls. And then probably, you know, in the next, eight, 10 years, if not sooner, maybe, you know, a secret invasion like storyline happens. Yeah. I think the secret invasion thing is a little far fetched because scrolls are who they are. And, um, in this iteration, true. But I wish I could have seen your face when um, Talos shape shifted out, or at least a, a scroll like a scroll yeah, shape shifted out. Marie, of Fury. Yeah. Cause Maria goes first. And at that moment I'm like, Oh no. Mm-hmm. Is she about to like, Kill Nick Fury. Right. And then he turns out like, oh my gosh. And then, and then you hear Ben Mendelsohn's voice and you're like, oh no, they're just working together. They're yeah. best friends because they, we we know this from uh-huh. Captain Marvel earlier in the year. And I was like, I, I just wanted to know what was going on inside your mind in those like 10 seconds. It was it was a lot of uh, we were going somewhere. secret invasion, secret invasion, secret invasion, <laughs> secret invasion. Oh my gosh, this is happening. Wait, what does this mean? How is this possible? How long has... Nick Fury been a scroll, mm-hmm. and then you know we find out that he you know, Sam it's, Jackson's it's pretty just recent vacationing, yeah, up on a space station, basically or wherever they are. But yeah, sword. It's, it's definitely going intergalactic. It's definitely going to utilize the Guardians, Captain Marvel, the soon to be Eternals. Um, yeah, Fantastic Four is going to return from their voyage into the Nether regions, and ta-da! Yeah, you've got intergalactic ready to introduce Dr. Doom and his plan of the people and whom else ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, um, you know, you kind of said like, you know, secret invasion probably won't work. And I agree with, I agree with you. Cause I was thinking that too. Like, well, unless something drastically changed with the scrolls and their mindset, like since the last 30 years, since we've seen them, you know, how do you, how do, like, how do we get there? And, um, you know, 
around the time you guys are hearing this, you know, on Wednesday, uh, July 3rd, you know, maybe July 4th, uh, if something gets pushed around, uh, there should be an article up on screen by myself um, about how the MCU through Spider-Man Far From Home may have set up a reverse secret invasion storyline where the Kree are the one who have invaded Earth and hmm. secretly because they're, you know, they're the pink scrolls that they're, or the pink Kree, as they're called in the comics often, um, who look like regular humans. That's what Jan Rog was in Captain Marvel. That's what Annette Bening was in Captain Marvel. Um, and I could really see, th- and like they mention at one point, the movie Maria Hill and Nick, and Nick Fury are talking, who are actually, you know, scrolls as well. They're talking about how there's Kree cells on Earth. And it's like that in that moment, I was like, that's still weird. Why are you like, why are you mentioning that? Like, it seems like such a strange, like piece of world building to do. But then, you know, in hindsight to have, oh, the scrolls and Kree have been at war for centuries. And if the scrolls are working on protecting Earth, living on Earth, and then they find that the Kree are also living on Earth, invading it, perhaps, um, you know, the Kree already tried to attack Earth in 1995. Captain Marvel stopped them. But, you know, Mm -hmm. she's not around right now. Yeah. And you know, are we building towards that where the Kree are going to come back in a big way and try to, you know, destroy earth, take down the whole Avengers. Um, and that way, like the prominent force that has stopped the Kree from maintaining their place, like one of the top empires of the galaxy, um, they're gone. And then the Kree can rise again. Like, I think that'd be a really interesting way to, again, reverse what people know from the comics, but then for moviegoers just continue to surprise them. Yeah, that would be interesting. I did catch that. I'm trying to remember, though, when they said it. Was it wasn't in the middle of an illusion, was it? No. Okay. No, it was uh, It was when they were walking to go talk to Happy Hogan near the end of the movie. Got it. Right. So, um, and yeah, it, uh, like the, <laughs> I'm really interested just to watch this movie again. I mean, for a lot of reasons. Yeah, the Captain um, Marvel line will play a little bit more like, exactly. oh, of course he's not like well, totally a fan of Marvel. Well, well no, uh, well, no, because he is. And that's why like when he... When you know Tom Holland, when Peter Parker is like, well, "What about Captain Marvel?" and Nick Fury, who's Talos at that moment, is like, "Don't invoke her name." I'm like, in that moment, I was like, "That's still that was a weird thing for Nick Fury to say." Yeah, he should be her huge fan. Like he's yeah. the one who went up to her at the end of the funeral and was and, like, "Yo." But like even even what like like just the word invoke, don't invoke her name. Yeah, that is such like a. That's not how Nick Fury speaks. That's some high flute language. <laughs> exactly. And so I was just more like, okay, that's such a strange line. And then it makes so much more sense after the credits yeah. to the point where now I'm just like, oh, well, he's not just saying, you know, oh, you know, oh, you know, Thor's off world, Doctor Strange, no, no one knows where he is, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then he gets protective over like, well, what about like you call on Captain Marvel? He's like, don't you dare. She's doing better. She's doing bigger things. Yeah, exactly. To deal with your Earth problems, you know. But it also just recontextualizes that entire conversation too. Oh yeah. Where he's just like, let the let the Spider Boy do it, and mm-hmm. then he's just like, and then so Talos is just there being like, no, we couldn't possibly call anybody else. Right. And then also, I do like how they set this movie, not in America, where the considerable cleanup is probably being happening, you know, in upstate New York, right, <laughs> for so many reasons. So all of that just kind of like you know pushes this to the to the peripherals of what's going on and mm-hmm. just but then at the same time just goes right down to earth and says hey here's this small thing right but also like just makes sense even further i think for nick fury's story like because in the movie you know nick or i guess in the universe like nick fury is like the most knowledgeable in touch person ever mm-hmm. and then at the end you know he was like you know when uh when happy hogan like is telling him about how you know mysterious a bad guy and all this stuff 
And uh, he's like, oh, you figured out like my message. Cool. And he's like, yeah, you know, you might as well just set it right out there. It's pretty clear. Um, he's like, you know, I, I, su- I suspected that, you know, Mysterio wasn't up to, you know, he wasn't all good. And then Marie Hill's just like, no, he had no clue. And I was <laughs> yes. like, I mean, that, that's a fine line. But at the same time, like, why wasn't Nick Fury like mm-hmm. he didn't catch on anything? He didn't like double check to see yeah. if he actually did come through a wormhole from the snap or if like check to see if the Quentin Beck on this earth is alive or around like or dead. Nobody's checking mm-hmm. these things. Yeah. And it's like, but it makes like a lot more sense after the fact. It's like, oh no, this is Talos trying to be Nick Fury. Yeah. And doing a poor job. Exactly. Of like right. it makes great. It makes so much, like it makes so much sense. I really want to know also like, did Sam Jackson know that? Like that, that post credit scene was happening. So, so you could like inform his like play of the character. He was like, all right, be Nick Fury, but also like, kind of be somebody trying to be Nick Fury. I think it was tossed in at the end. Remember like, oh, but also actually you're in space. Right. And you're going to, you know, if you just say you're going to kickstart the new shield in yeah. space, you'd be like, okay, that's fine. Yeah, that's cool. He still got paid $50 million. Oh yeah. He's all he, set. Yeah. He's, he's, he's <laughs> definitely fine no matter what happens. Um, I think just, I don't really think there's anything else. I think I've kind of gone through all my notes, all my points. Um, mm-hmm. Love the movie. Again, I'm going to go see it again for Great. sure. Um, and like, so obviously answered that question. Will Josh watch it again? Yes, definitely. Definitely. Yes. Is it, uh, it maybe too early? I think to talk about MCU rankings. Ooh, way um, too early. We could do Spider-Man rankings. Okay. All Spider-Man films or just live action? All Spider-Man films. It's top three, top four for me. It's definitely top four. It's really, it's really tough between, you know, like Spider-Man two, homecoming and like this, I think into yeah. the, I think into the Spider Verse is still my one. Yep, that's um, where I put my that'd be my number. It, one. it just it's it just ages so well. It's it, so it, good. It's um, it's on Netflix now. It is. Watch yes, it if you haven't it. seen the yet. If you, if you, I mean, it, oh, there's man. so many dimensions to it that yeah. it, it makes it so unbelievably good. Um, I'm not a Post Malone fan, but Sunflower should be played on repeat. It really should for you know forever. So, <sighs> but I think I would I think it would go Spider Verse, Spider Man Two. Far from home, homecoming, and then put um, Amazing Spider-Man in there. There's some, there's, there's, there's a. Uh, it gets over the top at the end, but I love everything around the core. I think it's some of James Horner's last music too, which is beautiful and sweet. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to so say. So no homecoming's your five. Homecoming would probably be my five. Yeah, and then round it out three in Amazing Spider-Man two, or Amazing Spider-Man two and then three. Amazing or Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man. Three or Spider Man three makes Spider Man two. Those two are just so bad that yeah. I don't even want to talk about them. I, I mean, yeah, I've, I've been like kind of like you know semi rewatching made Spider Man two like as I'm like going to bed and I'm just like you know, there's like you know Hans Zimmer score that movie that, like that it's really really good. Um, but like that's <laughs> normally if that's like the highest praise, mm-hmm. it's like you know there's a cute B J Nomek cameo. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I mean he he's he's fine. Um. But it's really just Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. It's like, yeah, their chemistry is obviously off the charts because they were dating in real mm-hmm. life at that time. But like, like that that relationship works so well. I've I have not yet gotten to the Green Goblin part, so it's like, that's a different story. Um, but I would, I think I think into the Spider Verse is my one. I think I'd then go Homecoming. Mm-hmm. Then. It's it's it is like a near tie for two and far from home. I'm not sure which way I would go yet. 
because I've again, I would probably want to see Far From Home again. Um, but it's definitely top four, and then it'd be Spider Man, Amazing Spider Man. Uh, I think I'd go Amazing Spider Man two, and then Spider Man three. But um, okay, I think those are those are quick Spider-Man rankings again. I maybe would change something if I had more time to think about. It. But that's all we have uh, for the review section right now. Let us know what you guys thought about Spider-Man: Far From Home. Uh, you can do so between us on Twitter. Um, and again, also send us your rankings of the Spider-Man films. If you already know where it falls for you in the MCU, let us know that as well. We'd love to hear those thoughts. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back in a bit for a smaller uh, but still important review section. back with the news and this week only three things we're going to discuss so it's a our three main topics but it's an inner working of uh you know trailers and one piece of news uh and kicking off with probably the biggest news of the week mm-hmm. there's a new ryan johnson trailer out you may have heard of it knives out is a new movie has the all-star cast of all all-star casts in history of film i think it's the greatest cast of all time it's uh it's crazy and it just, you know, like we covered, I think, for like nine straight weeks as the casting kind of went on. <laughs> That's right. And it was like, you know, like this cast, something else. But then you see it all on screen. Chris Evans, Arande Armas, Tony Collette, uh, Michael Shannon, Lakeith Stanfield, Daniel Craig. Um, uh, uh, to- did you say Tony Collette? Did you I say did. Chris Plummer? Did you say? Not Chris Plummer. Um, uh, Don Johnson, yes. Catherine Langford, the, uh, the kid from It who changed his name. Jayden. Jordan Lieberman. Yeah, but it's not Lieberman anymore. Oh, really? It's Jaden something else. Oh, well, I hope there was a reason for that other than like anti-Semitism. I don't know. I don't know what happened. But um, the cast is incredible. And I've watched this trailer probably 10 times. Yeah. And it is, I mean, it's just, it's, pro- it's not really a surprise to me, but it's also kind of a surprise. Like Chris Evans is just like going all in it, on like his post cap yes. you know lifestyle it's perfect he's he's telling people to suck it i guess um yeah i guess in that's so many words as, yeah as clean as we can say here um without swearing but yeah i mean i mean you brand on the list it's chris evans daniel craig anna de armas the girl from 13 reasons why who's Catherine langford Catherine langford anna de armas i already, already said her. that um, well, she's worth double mentioned you've got tony colette we've got the Laurie Strode, who is oh Jamie Lee Curtis, I Jamie Lee about her. Curtis, who's doing terrific. We've got Chris Plummer. We've Lakeith Stanfield. We've got the guy who always shows up in um, Ryan, Ryan Johnson, Johnson movies. movies, Boy Blue, and I'm sure I'm missing three other. Oh, people. there's a it's a it's, it's a it's a cast of all casts. It's a cast of all casts, but everyone is doing an amazing character. Tony Collette is acting with her eyebrows in ways that unbeknownst to man before, and then there's Chris Evans, who's also doing some eyebrow acting and yeah. some like smuggish. So just like, uh, what is Tony, Tony Collette says something about like, wipe that arrogant smile off your face. And I was mm-hmm. like, the, he does have an arrogant exactly smile. exactly what and he's it doing. Is just spot on. It's when, amazing. When you dye Chris Evans hair from blonde <laughs> to black, you get a whole new man. And it's, yeah. it is wildly weird. But this movie is definitely not going to be serious. It definitely looks like a, a full on the first comedy written by Ryan Johnson, but mm-hmm. it looks a little bit satirical, but also just 
um, I don't know, unbelievably great in so many ways. I understand why Death on the Nile hightailed it out of the year <laughs> once <laughs> rumors got circulating that this was coming out. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, you, can't, you just can't have any of it. But it's got all of the craftsmanship and the cinematic sensibilities that Ryan brought has brought to all of his movies. But this time just with, a, you know, all of the money and cast mm-hmm. and talent and goodwill of the world that's going to, I think, make this something. If not great something enjoyable to go see oh, it's gonna be great at the theater i i, I am I can't conf- i am confident in saying that but i don't know how it could be bad i really don't i, I don't like everything about it just looks impeccable it just mm-hmm. looks so good um like i was already hyped for this movie and then after the trailer i'm like is this my most anticipated movie for the rest of the year i don't know it's very close if it isn't like it's if it's if it hasn't topped the last, or not the last Jedi. I mean, the Rise of Skywalker. The Rise of Skywalker. Um, we got it in the top five, it's right? Two. Yeah, we did. It yeah, was, it was perfect. up there, and it's, it is. I mean, it just looks so good. Like the energy, the shots, uh, his cinematography, uh, er, like the, the the pacing, like everything about it just looks so good. And I, I, I was just now as we we're talking about thinking of like, oh, I just rewatched. I watched Murder Mystery on Netflix like you know last two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I could not watch that movie even after seeing the trailer. <laughs> you told me that you thought it was okay, right? It was okay, but yeah. like watching this trailer, I'm just like, if I watch Murder Mystery again, I'd be like, it's no, it's no Knives Out trailer. Yeah, that's oh, for sure. And there's some beautiful like set design in there oh. too. The the camera running along the just this wall of knives, which I imagine are going to be plucked out one by one. Oh, it's got to. And there's some. It just looks like it's completely melodramatic but also hilarious at the same time and i i I just cannot wait to see what they're doing here um no i mean all faith in ryan johnson at this point he has never let me down you seen brother bloom i have yeah did you don't want to fan that one again it wasn't he didn't let me down there i knew it was i came to it after i realized Uh the man's name so it wasn't a letdown so much as a it is a slight misfire I think I need to. I, I am a fan of Brothers Bloom and also what and uh, what's his first movie? Um, Adrian Brody, Mark Ruffalo. No, his first movie he did. Oh, Brick. Yeah. I love Brick. I, oh, Brick's the best. I think I think Brick is okay. I've but I think I I need to like rewatch it again. Like I watched it, and I was like, oh, this this is this is good mm-hmm. stuff. But like it didn't like really suck me in. So I, I'm definitely gonna rewatch it um, ahead of Knives Out just to. Just cause it's Ryan Johnson, why not? Mm-hmm. Um, but I also just love that he just kind of you know leaned in on the from the director of Star Wars: Last Jedi and Looper. I was like, yeah, yeah, with the little magnifying glass oh, yeah. and everything like that. Perfect. And I already love how like you know like phone Twitter, and I had the same thought. You know, in Chris Evans is now infamous, um, you know, uh, vulgar, uh, you know, shouting that he's doing. Uh, everybody's was like. Oh, that's just Ryan Johnson <laughs> to mm-hmm. the last Jedi hitter. So I was yes. like, I thought the same thing. <laughs> if anything, this is his victory lap before he jumps back into Star <laughs> yeah. Wars. And maybe maybe that'll be the message of the movie as we get around there. And <laughs> honestly, you know what? Actually, I think I think it's probably safe to say, and I'll probably say this when I write about the movie, because um, I call dibs. Okay. <laughs> and I promise I'll turn out some content to make you trust me. Um <laughs> But I think that's what it'll be. I think he will be that smug person who accomplished something in his return to a bunch of haters and the knives were out for him <laughs> and he's going to somehow rise above it all. That's right. But there's definitely, the, definitely the title knives out is 
definitely mm. something that was born out of his experience. I'm, I'm looking forward the to the uh, the think piece of how you know Christopher Christopher Plummer is the the standard for Star Wars, and that whoever the murderer is in the movie is actually uh, Ryan Johnson, and then <laughs> all of the other people are the different versions of people who are mad mm-hmm. about what happened to the Last Jedi. That will, this this would be a, an achievement to set about if we can get this sorted out by the time <laughs> we'll, it comes out. We'll figure out. it out. November. We'll just dedicate. We'll dedicate a whole pod to Perfect. how does the last. Perfect. How does Knives Out show the last yeah. Jedi hatred? Regardless of what it is about, regardless of where it goes, big question that week. <laughs> Bring Colton the Amanda back. There we go, and we'll get on it. Uh, so I mean, I, the Knives Out trailer again. It's incredible. Watch it if you haven't already. I'll be watching a bunch more times. We have till November, so. Uh, I almost don't even want another trailer at this point. Like, I'm set. I'm ready to go. Yeah. I, I don't think a second trailer will, will, will really show that much more of the plot. Because at this point, all you know is somebody's dead and somebody's guilty. Mm-hmm. And Daniel Craig has no clue what's happening. <laughs> yeah. He's going to be the worst detective ever. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's the point of all of this. That's what it looks like. And like <laughs> I, I'm totally here for it. And so if this is the only thing we get, I mean, it's definitely not going to be because, like, they're going to want to market this thing. Um, but just from the reactions I've seen so far, it's yeah. very positive And... Uh, yeah, Knives Out looks great. Um, and we'll move. We'll stop trailer talk for a second to talk about a development with the Flash movie, which is one of the the projects that we have covered the most. I think just because it has gone through so many different iterations. Uh, Lord and Miller originally devised the script for it, then Seth Graham Smith was set to direct it. He left the project. Rick Famuyiwa joined to take over. He was going to do like a cyborg Flash buddy cop movie. Uh, that probably dealt with Flashpoint, uh, and then he left, and then after that, there was like a brief talk of, well, maybe Lori Miller back, because they just got fired off of Solo, but mm-hmm. then um, instead of them, then uh, Jonathan uh, Goldstein and John Francis Daly uh, joined the movie instead to direct it, the directors of Game Night, and we were both very excited about that news. Yeah. And we've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and then a couple of months ago, there was that report that, well, Ezra Miller is now in flux in the role of flash he is now writing a script with grant morrison to try to save his job potentially and if it works kick uh daly and goldstein to the curb and now we hear today from the hollywood reporter that they are out but they're also not going that warner brothers is also not going to use ezra's scripts (laughs) and instead they have hired uh they're in talks to hire andy muschietti the director of it and it Mm -hmm. chapter two and mama and a bunch of other horror films um to direct the flash movie which is uh a development to say the least ezra miller is still attached to star in the film even though according to a lot of chatter his contract hold was up in may so if that's the case they'll have to renegotiate a contract for him Mm -hmm. um the creative differences between Miller and Daly and Goldstein seem to be over. Miller wanted a more like a darker version of the character to play. Mm-hmm. Daly and Goldstein wanted somebody more along the lines of you know Spider-Man basically because they helped write Spider-Man uh, Homecoming. And it seems like that the former version of what they're going to go with with Andy Muschietti stepping aboard. Christina Hodson, the writer of Bumblebee, Birds of Prey. Uh, she was also hired to do the Batgirl movie yep. um, to write that. She is also stepping aboard this project to write the new script. And so there's a lot of changes here. A, it's even happening. That's kind of a shock to me. Uh, but you take all this in, Daily and Goldstein out, Andy Muschietti in, Ezra Miller still on board. Is this... Like the true sign, this movie's happening, or is this more just more smoke before they'll ultimate, you know, pull into the plug? This seems like the great compromise being brought forth here. We will let Muschietti, a, a darker, 
more darker, more serious director mm-hmm. run this movie. But, but Christina Hodson will write it, mm-hmm. and we'll get all of her sensibilities, her perfect, her her ability to tie things, you know, to and from, like in the Bumblebee movie, where mm-hmm. you get emotion, but you also get, you know, a sledgehammer to your gut when Bumblebee, you know, gets knocked down and you have to resuscitate him, like all of those things. So that's what it kind of feels like. We won't do their version. We'll let Mushietti direct, but she's gonna write it, and you're gonna be Flash. Simpatico, and then they're like, okay, maybe. And then he'll be like, I'll see the movie, and then we'll I'll sign on. I don't know. Maybe no, no, I don't know. No, I mean I think I think that's that sounds that sounds right. It's uh it's just so strange because I still have a hard time believing that this is like how it's gonna happen. It just seems like such a weird, like you mentioned, like a hodgepodge of like choices. Like, all right, we're gonna keep Ezra just because mm-hmm. we already have so much tied up to him with Fantastic Beasts and stuff. Andy Muschietti, he directed the It movies for us. He's going to be a big hit. He already is. Let's keep him happy, keep him aboard, give him a big franchise film, uh, keep him in our studio. Let's do it that way. And then Christina Hodson, again, somebody we're very familiar with, can help come in, punch up a script that has gone through so many different iterations uh, that the story has changed from a team movie with Cyborg to a Flashpoint movie to now a straight up, you know, let's just like regular Flash movie to now whatever Christina Hodson is going to uh, imagine it to be. And it's just the Flash has gone into that territory of like a Gambit movie where I'm just like, I'll believe it when it starts. Yeah. Like, and nothing before then. Because even now, the the report from the Hard Reporter is like, all this stuff is happening. They want to be in pre-production by, you know, January 2020. It's like, that sounds fine and dandy. But, I mean, come on. Yeah, I don't Talking know. about six months to turn around a script, which is, not, which is you know, plenty of time in most cases. But um, that just does not seem to be, like, six months from now, like, that seems to be, like, the rate that directors leave The Flash. So you're telling me that in six months from now, we're going to be entering pre-production, not even filming. And like we're gonna stick with this. Like I just don't, I don't buy it. But this is the first real attempt under Hamada. Francis Daly came on bef- right around or right before. I think I think they were actually his first hire. Okay. I think. Yeah. Or maybe it was right before. Um, it is notable that this change comes after Warner Brothers named a new CEO. So maybe she had some input um, in the direction she wanted this franchise to go as well. So that's always possible. And maybe she's the one who's like, we have Ezra Miller, we have The Flash, we have this giant IP. Why is this thing just stalling through development? Like, get this thing going. And gave, like, you know, Hamada and the rest of the DC team, like, the kick in the butt to be yeah. like, do something. You know what? Also, I would wonder if it would just you just go to Ezra and you're like, who do you, who would you trust to direct you in this movie? Yeah. Muschietti would be a good pick. See, I feel like if you, if like you gave Ezra Miller that choice, he would choose, like, some incredibly obscure... Choice, and we'd all be like, "Huh? Who?" Well, I mean, Darren Aronofsky's not gonna, you know, <laughs> be able to direct. I don't. I don't think. Movies. I don't think we'd go that way. Uh, but like, it would be. I don't. Know, it's just very interesting because again, if we're going back to this darker version of Flash, like the vision that seems more in line with Zack Snyder, uh, what he wanted to do, what Ezra signed up to do, yeah. Um, and that was pivoted away from doing the Just League reshoots. Then I'm just really just to see how this whole thing continues to develop at this point. I, I don't think it'll be dark, but I think you'll have just a, a much heavier story and that'll make up for it. I mean, that's, yeah, that's definitely possible. Cause I think one of, um, you know, the best parts of it, 
from Annie Muschietti is that, you know, as scary as that movie can be, it's also that has a ton of lighthearted elements. It has a ton of levity, a lot of humor. Mm -hmm. And that cast is just so energetic that like you can't help but love them. So if they can bring that quality to flash, mix it in with like this, like darker, sadder, more mature story or something, then like we could have a hit on our hands potentially. Um, Again, it just goes back to, I'm just still, this seems like more like a last, like a, a second last ditch effort. Like the the first one was as we're saying, I'll write the script. Yeah. Please let me make this movie. And now they're like, that's not going to happen, but we'll get Hobson and Muschietti and Miller together. And you guys can try to come up with something in the next six months. If you don't, then like we're officially moving on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it seems like to me more than this is like, Full confidence is the movie that's happening. Yeah, you've recast Batman already. I mean, it's Cavill's not... basically got a foot and a half out the door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it seems like you just got to, you know, tug on his cape at the last second to bring him back uh, with a big dump truck of money, probably. And uh, is it Nola Holmes at Warner Brothers? Um, I want to say it's New Line. Okay, yeah, that sounds right. Um, which is you know a subsidiary of Warner Brothers, so uh, it is yeah. I mean that's one of those interesting things. Like you know, Warner Brothers keeps wanting to be in business with Henry Cavill, but not as Superman. And um, you know, but uh, on if if this is the point, if this is the you know the version we're going to get, I think Andy Muschietti can do a good job with this. I mean, DC's already had uh, a lot of success with horror directors coming aboard their properties. Yeah. James Wan, Exhibit A. David Sandberg, Exhibit B, and the two two films back to back, super successful. One financially, one critically, and uh, you know if Andy Muschietti can come in off the heels of it, Chapter Two, hopefully being a huge hit as well, mm-hmm. and be like, and now I'm moving on to Flash, and we're going to start filming, you know, summer of 2020. Then you know we're we're full steam ahead. Full steam ahead. Um, and lastly here, we'll wrap up this episode with, uh, the first trailer for Jumanji, the next level dropped on Monday. And, uh, I thought, well, you haven't seen the first Jumanji, have you? No. Did you watch the trailer? No. <laughs> okay. That's fine. I will talk about it real quick here. I just thought that this trailer, um, was great. It Ooh. also confirmed what I suspected would happen. That when we were talking about Danny DeVito, Donald, uh, not Don Glover, Danny Glover, mm-hmm. during the cast, like, it'd be great if it's, like, instead of young people playing the game, it's old people playing the game, and we have to, like, completely change how these actors are playing these parts. And sure enough, that's basically what they do. The Rock is playing Danny DeVito. That's incredible. And I, then it's Jack Black is playing Danny Glover. Perfect. I think. Yes, I think that's correct. Okay. Uh, or no, Kevin Hart is. Kevin Hart is playing Danny Glover. So he's like deepening his voice and trying to make it sound. <laughs> it's, it's a, it is great stuff. And I, it, is, it just looks super funny. The premise of the, of the, of the, the movie where uh, Alex Wolf's character goes back in the game all by himself. And now everybody tries to go in after him. I'm just really intri- intrigued by what they're going to do. And Aquafina, we get a quick glimpse of her character as well. So uh, it looks like a nice continuation of this world with the next level of the game in some form. And, you know, comes out again this December. So hopefully, uh, fingers crossed, it's going to be another big hit at the end of the year like the last one was. That's right. It went up against Star Wars last time, it too. Did. It went up against Greatest Showman, too. Both yeah. those movies just ran for days and days. They did. They ran straight through the holidays, straight through all the winter into the spring. And Jumanji came just shy of a billion dollars, and which is nuts. Nick Jonas returning? Yes, nice. which I suspect is who is the avatar that Alex Wolf has now 
inhabited because he was Dwayne Johnson beforehand, um, but then he didn't choose him this time. So um, I'm interested to see if that is the route that they go. It seems like that would be because he's the we only know of in the first movie of five avatars um, and Nick Jones is one of them and he's off the board originally. So if the other four characters take on four avatars and he's not around oh. and I feel like it has to be him unless there's like some other twist where it's like, Oh, there was an unlockable new character and he's actually yeah. Aquafina or something <laughs> like, and that'd be, that'd be funny. Um, but yeah, Jumanji next level, big fan of the trailer um, for what it's worth. I'd give knives out my ticket, obviously, but you know, uh, the next level gets an audible mention as well. So uh, that is all we have for this episode, the special episode of Friends of Film. Uh, and there's been a change of plans. We are actually not going to have any ep- new episodes next week. So we're taking the week off. I'm going to be on vacation. And uh, so we may do a midsummer Ari Aster special thing after uh, I get back. Um, but next week we'll be off. So enjoy this early episode of uh, Friends of Film with Spider Far From Home review. In the meantime, you can tell us your thoughts on anything covered by Transcendence Friends of Film, and you can follow me personally on Twitter at MovieCooper. And you can get at me, Josh, at just Joshua Ryan. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus, head over to iTunes and give us a five-star view with comments. Thanks again for tuning in to the Friends of Film podcast. Josh. Thank you for stopping in, everyone. And we'll be sure to next week, or in two weeks. Bye.